Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Christ Center. So glad that you're here. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the team members here. I just loved worship this morning. I loved that last song that we just sang. I don't know if you felt what I was feeling. But, you know, this is July 4th weekend, and as I was singing, as I was reflecting on that, I just, what came to my mind was the passage from 2 Chronicles that says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their sin and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and heal their land. And I just think we need to take a second to pray this morning for our country and for healing. And it starts with us, right? God, let your kingdom come starting right here with this little patch of earth, the one that you gave to us, our bodies and our minds. And God, let it go from there out into our community and into the systems of government, Lord. And Jesus, we just come to you before, before you humbly this morning, God, and we ask you to move among your people, Lord, to stand firm in faith, to stand firm in love, God, to stand firm upon the truth which you have established by your word and by the word, Jesus Christ. And Lord, just on behalf of our nation, God, we come before you. Lord, we know there is a laundry list of moral wrongdoing. And we ask your forgiveness, God. And we ask for mercy. And Lord, we ask for it right here in our homes, in our hearts, in our community, in the Wenatchee Valley, and then beyond, in our cities, Lord, in Seattle, in Spokane, in our state, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest, God, and beyond from coast to coast. Lord, we ask for your mercy, and God, we pray for our country, which we love, Lord. And we ask you to move in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Uh, my wife and I don't live in Kashmir. I grew up in Kashmir, if you didn't know that. We actually live in Minnesota. Don't ask me why. It's freezing. It's the, the barren wasteland of the bold north. Um, no, actually, it is beautiful. And just the uh, other week, we got to go on a camping trip. We drove to South Dakota. Has anyone been to South Dakota before? Oh, man, you don't know what you're missing, but you do know what they're missing. It was beautiful. We, uh, yeah, here we go. We're a camping family. This is my wife, Brittany, our son, Blaze, and our daughter, Micah. And we got to see um, Mount Rushmore and Wind Cave National Park. It's the largest cave structure in the United States. It's amazing. They still haven't found the end of it. It was a blast. We had a great time. I think we even, my son got a little muddy at one point. I heard this definition for a boy. Maybe you've heard this. A boy is just a noise with dirt on it. Has anybody else heard that? I think that's basically what sums up our incredible son. Um, but it was beautiful. We love our country. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Hopefully you have some plans to uh, barbecue or maybe float the river. Or maybe, I believe this is one of the two times of the year in Washington State that you can set off fireworks. I believe that you are free to set off fireworks. No, someone's shaking their head. Okay, I guess I was wrong. I looked it up online. That's what the internet said. But you can't trust the internet, I guess. 
Um, before we get started, though, I just want to give you a little family update about me and our family. Uh, I came on staff here at Christ Center as the executive director part-time, 20 hours a week in February 2021. And the church had been hit hard by COVID. Some of you know that, you remember. And a lot of churches were hit hard. I was just talking with a friend here about the church he was at and just how COVID was a tough season for all of us. And Steve reached out and we needed some help getting back on our feet. And in the last 17 months, we've seen God do incredible things here. Incredible things, right? We finished the building. We moved in. We successfully launched Chelan Bible Church. They are their own church now. We sold 206 Vine Street. We started running Alpha, which is incredible, a great way for people to come and learn about Christ. We established small groups. The Garden. Did anyone see the Garden driving in today? I mean, every time I see it, I just think that is such a beautiful expression of what we want to be in this community. Um, so many things to celebrate. And at the same time, I've also been working with a really good friend of mine who lives in California. He's an author and a pastor. And recently, this little endeavor that we've been working on together has grown. And it will actually be turning into full-time work for me. Which means that although I will continue to be involved at Christ Center, hear what I'm saying, I will continue to be involved at Christ Center, it will not be as the executive director anymore. I'm going to be moving into a consulting pastor role as a volunteer, which I'm happy to do. Actually, the church did offer to keep paying me, and I'm happy to just offer my time. Because I love this church, because I love this community, and I want to see it succeed and reach people for Christ. So you're still going to see me from time to time on weekends. In fact, I'll be back in August. We're doing a series on the book of James called Gym Class. I thought that was clever. And I'll be connecting with the staff each week, uh, as well as Steve and Steph. And I'm the board has graciously agreed to let me attend board meetings, so I'm going to be sitting in and represent accountability and keeping everything on track for the budget and all that. So I'll still be involved, but what the other thing I've been working on this whole time has grown, so I'm going to be stepping into that, and I wanted to let you know. So if you have any questions about that, I'll be around after service today. Feel free to come and talk with me. I would love to chat with you about it and tell you all about it. Now, we're in a series that's called Rooted. In this series, we're talking about spiritual practices or disciplines that we can establish in our lives that keep our faith rooted, both in the reality around us, the reality of our lives, but rooted in Jesus and the reality of God's kingdom. Practices that help us cultivate a spiritual root system for sustained growth, health, and flourishing life connected to God and connected with each other. Doesn't that sound good? Don't we want that? A flourishing life connected to God and connected with each other. Last week we heard from Justin Benedict. Justin is a missionary in Costa Rica that our church supports. They do work there and he spoke about worship. And worship at its core is really about surrender. It's about doing this. It's about putting God in his proper place in our hearts. Obviously, God is secure in his proper place, but we are given the choice to recognize him or to not recognize him, to ascribe worth to him, that's what worship means, or to not ascribe that worth to him. You have a will. You can surrender that will to God. That is where worship starts, and that's what it means to begin following Jesus. And this week, we're going to talk about another spiritual practice that I believe will actually change your life, 
completely change your life if you want it to. If you want it to. I believe this practice could mean for you and for me the difference between hope and despair, the difference between meaning and stagnation, the difference between joy or feeling empty, the difference between love of other people or being isolated. This practice. Jesus says, if you establish this practice in your life, you can ask whatever you wish and he'll do it. Can you believe that? The psalmist writes, if you establish this practice in your life, you will have a life of productive meaning, a flourishing life, and whatever you do will flourish and grow. Too good to be true, right? Not sure I believe it. Well, let's find out what this practice is. Let's read together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will lead them to destruction. What we're talking about today is meditating on the words of God and seeing them take root into your life. Meditating on the words of God. Meditating on the words of God. Jesus has a riff on this psalm, actually, in the gospel according to John, but he reframes it to himself. This is what he says, his words. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus said, my words remain in you. My words remain in you. You have a mind. You have a mind. And your mind and the thoughts in it will determine your life. Your mind and the thoughts in it will determine your life. What you put in your mind, what thoughts you decide to believe, what ideas you entertain and take hold of will lead you to either life or will lead you to death. And guess what? Guess what? You get to choose. You get to choose what you will let your mind rest on. Dallas Willard is known for saying one of the greatest humans, human freedoms, if not the greatest human freedom, is to decide what your mind will dwell on. That word, freedom, 
is of particular importance this weekend, isn't it? When Abraham Lincoln was running for president around the time of the Civil War, he noted that people seem to have a different definition for this word, freedom. The North believed they were the champions of freedom or liberty because they wanted there not to be slavery. But the South believed they were being unjustly controlled by the tyranny of the North, restricted from their freedom to continue the institution of slavery. Of course, this would be the white South. That same word, freedom, two very different meanings. Freedom from is most often how we will think about freedom in our day. Freedom from. Freedom from restraints. My little kids, uh, they love when they get freedom from things, right? Freedom from school, freedom from vegetables, freedom from clothes. Here's a picture of little Blaze experiencing all those things at once, right? He's just crushing on a popsicle, stark naked. He is free from restraints. And if that doesn't say freedom, I, I don't know. I don't have any other pictures that do. Blaze is a little older now, and we will get up early sometimes and go to breakfast together at Peg's Roadside Cafe. This place is Minnesotan through and through, I'll tell ya. Blaze loves Mickey Mouse pancakes with peanut butter and jelly covered in syrup with a mountain of whipped cream and sprinkles on top. I'm not making this up. And when we go there, sometimes he is free from eggs that daddy makes every day, and he is free to eat a pile of sugar and fat and bread, but he's not always free to have that because I don't want him to, and I don't want him to become a diabetic. So we moderate. There is a freedom from. There's a freedom from things. I want to be free from any restraints. I want to be free from anybody who's trying to tell me what I can or cannot do, anybody who's trying to define for me what is good, what is right, anybody who's trying to tell me your ideas of what a man or a woman are. I want to be free from constraints. Your idea of what marriage is, I want to be free. But there is a problem with this. I am not God. I did not create myself. I did not create this world or how it works. I am a creature in it. I am an embodied creature. I am a creature with desires. I am a creature who is formed by my habits. So eventually I can become enslaved by the very desires that I think I am free to choose. And this is true of us. Eventually, left to ourselves, by default, we will go after the wrong things. We will. We will. The prophet Isaiah writes, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The Apostle Paul writes, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We will all get it wrong. We all have a bent toward moral wrongdoing. That's what sin means, moral wrongdoing. And this is where Psalm 1 and John 15 come in. God's invitation for us is to allow him to renew our minds, to renew our perception of good and right. God's invitation is to give us the map, to give us the schematic of life. And if we do this, the psalm says he will watch over our way. If we do this, if do you want God to watch over your way? I know I do. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the psalmist writes. Do you ever feel like you're stumbling around in the dark in your life? 
bumping into things and it's painful, like you're confused about life, why are things the way they are? You need the light. You need the map. About a year ago, actually, I got rid of my smartphone and moved to this little ditty right here. It's called the light phone. And I love it. I'm actually never planning to go back, if you can believe it. It took me two tries to make the jump. I couldn't untether the first time. I kept, I kept it in the closet, and I was like, if an emergency, I mean, all of my work is remote, I need to have a smartphone. But I wanted to simplify. And so the first time I failed, I actually reactivated my plan on Verizon. I can't do it. I just can't live without it. And then the second time, I gave it away, and I've been on this thing. And the one thing for me that made me decide to move is that it had directions on it, right? I mean, that's got to be the greatest invention in the last 10 years is just navigation. Where am I going? Like, somebody please tell me. Turn left at the intersection, right? So this has directions, and I was so happy to do that. When I first got it, I didn't realize that the default setting for this phone was walking directions, it's kind of small, hard to see, and so I actually was heading to the airport to pick up Brittany, and after I put in the destination, it kept saying, time to arrival, four hours and 30 minutes. And I couldn't figure out why, and it was telling me to take all these weird back roads. I needed a better map. I needed a better map. God's word, the Bible, is our map. His word is our map. We get the map in our lives with this practice, meditating meditating on God's law day and night, each day, every day, one day at a time, meditating on it, thinking about it, rolling it around in your mind, letting it occupy and change your neural pathways until you start thinking differently about this world. In Deuteronomy, the people of God were instructed to actually write it down on their forehead wrote it in scrolls, and they put it on their forehead, and write it down in scrolls and put it on their hand. By the way, we might just think about what it is today that is telling us every day, all day, how we should think about the world and what we should do. Every, all, every day, all day, these little magic rectangles, right? Little magic rectangles that you can rub if you need an answer. And I promise you there are thousands and thousands of people working day and night to try and influence what your mind will dwell on. Because I worked in the San Francisco Bay Area for 10 years, and I can tell you they're not resting until they can control what your mind is thinking about. Not advocating for the light phone. I love smartphones. I think go for it. Use it. There's a lot of good in that. But it's good to be aware of that. Watch out. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. In that day, anyone who was a false prophet was someone who is a prophet, was someone who is telling you how to live your life. And he said, watch out. Watch out for people that are telling you how to live your life that don't actually have the map. Galatians says, it is for freedom that we were set free. So often we want to be free from things. But Jesus' invitation is not so much that way. It's a freedom for things. A freedom for something. For freedom. N.T. Wright says, Jesus came not just to get you into heaven, but actually to get heaven into you. He came to preach the gospel, the good news. But he was preaching the good news before he even died and rose again. So what good news was he talking about? He was talking about this. The kingdom of heaven is here. You can experience God right here, right now. 
and he sent the Holy Spirit to make sure that that would happen. And that's the good news still today. And this is one spiritual practice that builds a root, a channel, a thoroughfare into your heart and mind and ways. Because there's a different kind of freedom. And it's not freedom from things, it's freedom for things. It's not a blank check of moral autonomy. We don't get to decide that. But it's a freedom for. If Blaze were to eat pancakes smothered in sugar and cream every day of his life, he would not be free for a healthy body and all that comes with that. And because I love him, I'm not going to let him eat pancakes every day. He would. He would love to. And our mission as a church is to reach people for Jesus and make disciples. A disciple is someone who practices disciplines. Those words are linked together in their origin and meaning. Someone who understands that following Jesus is not about freedom from, but freedom for. By restraining my thoughts to focus on God's word, I'm growing within myself a freedom of thought for good in my life. Freedom for what God has defined as good and what we really know to be true in our hearts as good. Freedom for love. Freedom for peace on the inside. Do you want peace? Freedom for ordered and healthy relationships. Freedom for goodness, patience, gentleness. Freedom for a flourishing life. Freedom for self-control. Against these things, there are no restraints. There is no law in the kingdom of God against these things. And it starts with the will, with worship, with what Justin talked about last week. I surrender my way of doing things. I can't do it. I can't figure it out. I need help. I surrender my will. I admit I am not God. That's where it starts. But then it has to move to our mind. In Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard walks through the parts of a person. It's a pretty dense book, but I thought this would be interesting to look at. And it kind of talks about what we're just thinking about. The will is at the center of who you are. You have, a desi- you have desires, a will. You've been given the power to choose. And that moves to your mind, and your mind is where your emotions actually live. People used to think that it lived in your chest, in your heart, in your gut, but actually we experience emotions in our mind and thoughts in our mind. And then that moves out to our body. You have been given this little patch of earth. Let your kingdom come here on earth, starting with this little patch of earth that I get to have choices over. And then it moves to our social structures, And maybe we've been a part of or we've noticed when some of our social structures aren't quite lined up, not working well, boundaries aren't what they should be. And all of this put together makes up a soul. Your soul is everything working together. And you'll think about this, the soul of a community, right? Is the soul of a community healthy? We lived in downtown Minneapolis when George Floyd was killed. And I can tell you the soul of that city was not okay. It was not healthy. The soul, the will of the city, the general thoughts, what people were doing with their bodies, the social structures, not healthy because it wasn't aligned to the map. And that's why it's so important that every day we are deciding what we let our minds rest on. The will, worship, the mind, meditation, The body could be fasting, resting, some practices there. Your relationships, gathering together, meeting together. That's why the soul of the church strained under COVID because we weren't able to gather. Your soul, this all makes up the soul. 
But the mind is the most direct input for influence, meditating on God's law, learning to understand why things are the way they are, and in so doing, embedding your whole being, your soul, your soul, into the vine that is Jesus. St. Augustine has a little progression here that you might find interesting. Our distorted will will lead us to passion. That is unrestrained emotion. Then passion, when it is indulged, leads us to habit. Then habit will lead us to necessity. And necessity, when there is no power against it, leads to slavery. Just think about this for a second. This is how we get into substance abuse. This is how we might get into an affair or an addiction to pornography. A distorted will, a distorted understanding of what I'm due. What is right? What is good? This started all the way back. This was the first deception of the enemy, a distorted will. Did he really say, don't you want to be like God? Shouldn't you be like God? Don't you deserve this? Then to passion, then to habit, then habits become necessity, and then we're enslaved. Freedom from, I want to do it my way. And then eventually it leads here. Reminds me of what John Mark Comer wrote in his book, Live No Lies. We sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. We believe a lie about what will make us happy. So we need to go to that lie and address it, and we do that in our minds, in our thoughts, by meditating on Scripture, by thinking about it all day, considering God's laws, by being careful who we let influence the way we think, and we do it one day at a time every day. And as we do this, our desires begin to change, our decisions change, our requests to God change, our prayer life changes. Timothy Keller writes, the basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold my will to his. And it starts right here. So with the time that remains, we're going to get really practical here, I'm going to give you a few ideas of where to start. Now, maybe some of you have been following Jesus for a really long time, and you've got some embedded routines in your life. Way to go. And some of you may need to be encouraged, reminded. And some of you may say, I don't even know what you're talking about or where to start. So, where to start? I'm going to preface with this. Find a time and a place. Find a time and a place to spend time with the Bible. Every day. If you do not have a time and a place, it will not happen. It doesn't happen for me. And yes, you will carry that verse with you in your mind throughout the day, but to start, you need a time, you need a place to connect with God, to orient your mind around a thought for the day. One thought for the day is enough. You could couple it with another habit when you're making coffee, when you're in the shower, or maybe when you go on a walk, but you need a time and a place, an appointment with God. Otherwise, it won't happen. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. There's this proprietary relationship that God wants to have with you in the hidden place. And to establish that, you need a time and a place. So I challenge you to think about having a time and a place. And next, where in the Bible should I go? Where do I even start? It's such a big book. The Bible is so big, it's confusing. Where do I begin? Here are a few ideas for you. Number one, read the red. So my dad was the pastor at this church 
previously, and he used to say this all the time, read the red. Does anyone, does anyone here when my dad was here, do you remember him saying that? Read the red. So there are some Bibles that everything Jesus said is written in red lettering. So it kind of pops off. Start there. I encourage you to start there. Pick one verse each day and just carry it with you in your mind. Think about it. Roll it around. Think it about it when you wake up. Think about it when you're falling asleep. Try the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most prolific message. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And just think about it. Memorizing is so great because if you're standing in line to wait for groceries or you wake up in the middle of the night with anxious thoughts, instead of grabbing your magic rectangle, instead of that, start playing scripture in your mind. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In your mind. In your mind. And you just roll it around and you let it saturate who you are. The second idea, I love this one. I'm going to give you actually a little uh, opportunity here. Five Psalms a day is a friend for the way. I made that up. Isn't that pretty good, Eric? I should write a song. Five Psalms a day is a friend for the way. I chose those words intentionally because the Psalms is such a beautiful expression of the struggle of humanity coupled with the beauty and the power and the presence of God. The Psalms would have been Jesus' prayer book, and we see that in his words all throughout his life. At significant moments in his life, he quotes from the Psalms when he's hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He references them, he quotes them, we follow Jesus' example, go to the Psalms. If you read or listen to five Psalms every day, you will get through the entire chapter in one month. In fact... I have broken the psalms up into five a day and put them to music myself. I didn't play the music, I just chose the music. But I made a habit of starting to listen to them every day. I listen to them every day in the shower. That's what I did. Take a shower, I'm standing there, I got nothing else to do. Magic rectangle doesn't work in the shower, so I'm free from that. And I just play five psalms. And if you want the link to my Dropbox with all of those 30 files... Just email me at tim at christcentercashmere.com and I will send it to you today. You can have it and it has changed my life. Five Psalms a day, that's another place to start. Here's the other place you can start. You can start a lot of places, but I named it Get Wise. Three, get wise. Go to Proverbs, read or listen to one chapter every day. Every day, every day, one chapter every day. Build it in with another habit, like I said, but seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Also, if you're interested on meditate, more, more resources for meditation on God's word, we have, I think, Mom, about 30 copies of a book. A friend of Christ Center has written a book on meditating on scripture, and we would love to give you one today. So before you leave, grab one. We're going to do one per family if you want. It's a very short book, very good. And then the other recommendation for some of you that may say, I've got all that down. What else do you have for me is this great series called The Bible for Everyone. If you've never heard of this, you're going to want to check it out. N.T. Wright and John Golden Gay, who are arguably uh, the premier scholars of our day in the Old Testament and New Testament, have taken the entire Bible, book by book, paragraph by paragraph, and put about two short pages of explanation in plain language about every single paragraph in the whole Bible. 
And it's amazing. I actually have the whole volume at home. It's not heady, dense commentary. It's very accessible, the Bible for everyone. You could start with the book of John for everyone and just get it and read it. I promise you won't be sorry. But now, but now, we're actually going to practice this together today. We're going to take some time to practice meditating on God's word together. And so we're going to turn to a passage of scripture. Here's what I'd like you to do is just to sit back. And if you would, if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes to remove any distractions. And I'm going to ask Micah or the team if they can put up a little music behind us. And I'm going to read this scripture for you. It's probably one that you're familiar with. But I believe that God wants to speak to you today. And not just through me, but through his word. And so I'm going to read through this once, and I just want to ask you to let it wash over you today. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now with your eyes closed, I'm going to read this again. And this time I want you to listen for just one word, one word that sticks with you, that feels important to you today. And Holy Spirit, I just ask, God, that you would bring to mind, bring to light, shine the light of people's hearts where you want them to hear from you today. And we can take, let's take that music down. It's just a little bit distracting. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness 
and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to think about that word that God brought to you. If you're watching online, you can share it in the chat if you want. And if you're here, I want you to not forget it. Maybe take a note of it, write it down. I'm gonna go through this one more time. And I want you to ask God, Lord, why did you bring this word to me today? Why this word, Lord? What do you wanna tell me? What do you wanna show me? What is your invitation? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.